one I want to focus on today. Uh, you know, at, depending on the style of writing or the genre of writing or what you're writing, sometimes you put the most important things at the beginning. Other times you put the most important things at the end. You know, and like, for example, uh, in the parables, they say the key to understanding the parables of Jesus is always look at the last line first because that sheds light on what the point of the whole parable is. And also when you're telling jokes, those who tell jokes, remember the whole story doesn't make any sense until you get to the punchline. And so to me, as I study the the Lord's Prayer, I believe that this line is the punchline. This tells us what the Lord's Prayer is all about. It tells us that the Lord's Prayer is not just something we mumble through at church occasionally. It's not just some high-minded thing that people think about when they're, they're thinking lofty thoughts on God, but the Lord's Prayer is written for people who are struggling, struggling with temptation, struggling with attacks from the evil one and the Lord's Prayer, the whole of the Lord's Prayer, I believe, is written to help us in the midst of that struggle. So if you got it all together and if you got it all figured out, you might not really relate that well to the Lord's Prayer. But if you're struggling, then this is for you. In fact, the whole of the Lord's Prayer is for us. Uh, you know, and, and I didn't realize that about that because I thought of the Lord's Prayer as something that you mumble through in church sometimes or something that, that you study as a, as, as a guide on the best way to pray. And then I started working with uh, Market Street Mission in Morristown, New Jersey years ago and started attending the support groups. And, and if you attend something like a, an AA or a Narcotics Anonymous class, you know, a, a group, you know, it's a very interesting experience because it starts off everybody, everybody introduces themselves and they say, hi, I'm Mark, I'm an alcoholic, I'm, I'm Sam, I'm a drug addict, whatever the, the case might be. And then, and then they spend about an hour or so sharing what their struggles have been for the last, since the last time they met, maybe, maybe or, or, or problems that they've had and challenges that they're working through and, and sort of supporting one another. And then often at the end, they say, okay, let's pray. And the leader, leader starts off, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, you know, when you've been sitting with a group of folks for an hour and they've been talking about their struggles and their efforts to to get clean or, or whatever, the, whatever it is that's, that's destroying their life, and then they close by reciting together the Lord's Prayer, it takes on a whole new meaning, especially when you get to that last line, you realize the Lord's Prayer was written for them, was written for drug addicts and for alcoholics and other people who can't handle life. When it says, lead us not into temptation, but please, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. So this is the reality for those of you who are living in this reality. This is the prayer that Jesus gave us to help us get through. Now there's two uh, petitions, two, two uh, petitions that are, are conflated, but they're kind of dis distinct. Lead us not into temptation, 
but on the other hand, please deliver us from the evil one. And I believe that those, those talk to the two areas of struggle that we have. On the one hand, we have the struggle that comes with, from within us, because all of us are prone to wander. All of us have a, a brokenness in our hearts that tends towards going in the wrong direction, but then a struggle that comes from outside of us, from the evil in the world and the evil one, that the, the activity of the forces of evil and the person of evil in this world, the person of Satan. So let me just deal with those individually. First of all, when we talk about temptation, to me, I think in, in our modern world, it feels almost quaint because, you know, when 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 as a society or as a culture, we've kind of let go of standards of right and wrong and good and bad, and, and it's kind of like, well, whatever consenting adults want to do in their own privacy is, is fine for them. If there's no victims, then it's not a sin, and, and we don't have any transcendent standard of good or evil, then temptation becomes something that's kind of anachronistic, something that's sort of old-fashioned. And so I don't think most people feel like they're struggling with temptation today the way maybe 100 years ago or 200 years ago people lived with this sense of a struggle with uh, temptation. But, but uh, you know, the Bible says as you seek to live as one who's following Christ, it doesn't get easier. In some ways it gets harder because you get more sensitive to the areas and the ways that you're falling short. And so you're more aware of your own proneness to fall into temptation. I think the one place that we do feel it is, is when we find ourselves with a severe or even a minor addiction, whether that be to uh, a drug of choice or just to chocolate cake. And sometimes, we, you know, you, you have something you know you shouldn't do or you know you've got to stop doing, and, and yet, yet you just uh, keep doing it. Uh, but I think for all of us, what happens is we never really get beyond our limits. Our limits always catch up to us. And so th this prayer invites us, it expects that part of being a child of God, part of living in this world, is that we're going to struggle with temptation from time to time. That's the normal Christian life. That's the normal life of someone who's following God. And he invites us to say, lead us not into temptation. But let me just mention, there's also what I think is an equal and opposite danger, and particularly for you uh, church people. I mean, I'm not generalizing, but you're all up here on, on uh, Sunday morning, and uh, you know, you all came to church. And sometimes when you come to church regularly, when you start getting religion, you start cleaning your life up, you start thinking, well, maybe I'm beyond temptation. And you look at people who are making a mess of themselves and you say, well, I used to have those problems, but I don't anymore. Or, or thank, thankfully, I've never struggled with those things because you've got it all together. And the other danger, and I've seen this over the years, particularly among pastors and, and people in public life who decide they're going to become crusaders for some moral issue, whatever it might be. And, and they, they become loud and aggressive crusaders for, for some issue of, of general righteousness. And then what inevitably happens almost as soon as they become loud and public about their crusade for righteousness, they're exposed as being total hypocrites. Have you noticed that pattern? I mean, I, I could name names and talk about some of these people, but it, it's, it's too disturbing and disgusting to talk about, really. But, uh, but that's because, the, you know, our, temp our, our 
vulnerability to temptation is insidious and it catches us in ways we don't we don't really expect and so in 1 Corinthians 10 Paul gives this warning let everyone who thinks he stand firm take heed lest he fall you know one of the temptations is that we you know when, when you're you're tempted by something that you know is going to destroy your life that that's a dangerous temptation but the other temptation is to think that you're beyond temptation so watch out for that as well and some of you people that's the thing that you need to be aware of we never go beyond our dependence on God to deliver us from temptation we always go back to God and ask him for more strength and more help so temptation that that's from the problems that arise from inside of us because our own hearts and souls are bent but then the other side is the evil one you know the, as the Lord's Prayer says deliver us from the evil one not evil in some impersonal in terms of some impersonal force in the world but evil in terms of a person who is after you and after me and wants to destroy churches and wants to destroy families and wants to destroy the lives of those who are trying to follow God and live according to his way the power of the devil uh, you know this the evil one is just as out of style as the whole idea of temptation in our day today um, and, and that's uh, by his design, actually, because in the book uh, by C.S. Lewis, uh, Screwtape Letter, some of you have read it, it actually gives us insight into the dialogue between Satan and his minions. And Wormwood talks about our father below and his strategy. He has two basic strategies, Satan does, uh, for, for uh, deceiving people. One is to make people obsessed with him, to make people afraid of him. And, you know, you think of Jesus' day. If you read the story of, of uh, Jesus' ministry and life, there were all these people who were possessed by demons, and Jesus showed his power by casting the demons out, and people were, were amazed at him. And, you know, if you travel to uh, Haiti, if you travel to South America, you travel to, to uh, other, a lot of other countries, you'll find people who are just obsessed with the power of the devil and live in fear of fear and trembling of him. And also in, in, in America, you know, there are those who would dabble in the occult. And so, so there are, are those who are obsessed with, with Satan, and when, when he can get you obsessed with him, then he's got you right where he wants you. But the other way he works is according to uh, C.S. Lewis and according to Wormwood, is, is to make people stop believing in him, to make people believe he doesn't exist. Because then, you know, if you don't believe that Satan exists, then he's free to operate in your life and around you and, uh, and, and sabotage things in ways that, that you don't, um, wouldn't anticipate. And, you know, I, I think that is what we see in our world, and I think, you know, we really want to make everything, all of the problems that people have, give them a medical diagnosis or a clinical diagnosis and find a, a, a pill that will take those problems away or, or a process that will take the, those problems away, instead of recognizing often that the problems, I believe, you know, some, sometimes it can be so frustrating when you find yourself or find a loved one with an intractable problem or find yourself in a, in a problem with that doesn't seem to have a solution, you know, to, to, to recognize that maybe there isn't a process or there isn't a pill or there isn't a therapy that's going to take this away because this is really the spiritual forces of evil that I'm struggling against right here and right now. And I think sometimes what manifests is mental illness, 
Perhaps there's, there's a sense in which there's a, a spiritual situation there. I think certainly addictions, as we get in, find ourselves in the grip of addictions, there's a spiritual aspect of that, you know, where, where you can't even control your compulsions and your, your proneness to, to uh, destroy yourself through the addiction that, that has grab, grabbed a hold of your life. Uh, you know, when we, when we don't recognize the spiritual and the supernatural aspect of some of these bondages that we find ourselves in, then we're doomed to remain stuck in those bondages. A person I respect a lot is uh, John Eldridge, who's, who, who works, with, works with men. He was a counselor and became an author and, and, a, and a speaker and, and kind of a leader with men's issues. And one of the things he said that, that struck me is he thinks one of the ways that Satan is at work right now destroying churches, destroying families, destroying, destroying men is through the power of online pornography. And he says just because what the way that can grip a hold of of people's psyche, the way that can take over their uh, take take over their lives and, and destroy their souls and destroy their families and destroy you know whole industry that's destroying lives, and so don't underestimate the insidiousness of the power of Satan, the insidiousness of the evil one in our lives. Uh, you know, and recognize on the one hand. God doesn't want us to obsess about Satan's work in this world, but he doesn't want to ignore the possibility. What he wants us to do is to recognize that there is a problem, but, and it's a problem we can't handle, but it's a problem he does handle. And so in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our tumult, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our own difficulties or trying to help others in difficulty, we can pray deliver us from the evil one. God, we need deliverance. Please come deliver us. And this is not something that, that certain priests can only pray or, or certain people who are especially qualified alone can pray, but this is something any of us can pray in the midst of the attacks that we endure in this life. And let me just say, another tool that Satan uses, another tool that the Bible says we need to be alert to in our life is he use, what one another thing he does is he pulls us down into despair he makes us doubt the grace of god the goodness of god or our own experience of god's presence in his life in revelation 12 it says satan is the accuser of our brothers and he has to be thrown down because he accuses us before god both night and day all right so the, the way Satan, one of the ways Satan works in our life is to make us doubt the goodness of God, to make us doubt the love of God, to make us doubt the reality of God's presence and God's work in our life. And, and we've got to recognize that in the lives of others when they fall into despair. And I'm, I know some of you have known, had friends or have, have yourself fallen into a deep despair from which you couldn't, couldn't extricate yourself. But... That, that's a spiritual problem and it has a spiritual solution to pray to God that he would deliver us from the evil one. So uh, th this prayer is, is an invitation to ask God for help. It anticipates that we're going to be struggling with our own tendency to sin. It says, ask God to 
help you when you're tempted. It anticipates that we're going to be overwhelmed by the forces of evil in this world and says, ask God to help you be delivered. Uh, and and that, that's the offer here. But the ultimate hope that he has, the ultimate hope that all of us have, is not our own deliverance, our own overcoming of temptation, because we're going to stumble and fall in many, many ways. But our, the ultimate hope we have is in the victory of Jesus. You know, if you read about the life of Jesus, he came to earth and during his ministry he engaged many demons. Remember, everywhere he went he was casting out demons. It was one of his signature moves, one of the ways he verified his, verified his power. And also, some of you might remember, if you've read the story of the life of Jesus, he was directly tempted by Satan. Remember, right at the very beginning of his ministry, he was led out into the desert, and Satan met him, met him there, and he spent time being tempted directly by Satan. And remember, at the end, they, they just kind of have a standoff, and Jesus goes his way, the devil goes his way. But the biggest temptation Jesus had, you know the biggest temptation he had? or the essence of the temptation, was for him not to follow through on his mission. Remember, Jesus, Jesus did something that you and I never do. Jesus was willing to suffer voluntarily. Now, we all suffer, but, but most of us, when we're suffering, what do we do? We say, I've I got to go to the doctor and get some medicine for this. I've got to go find, find some kind of a a solution to this. I've got to go get a procedure that'll take this pain away. I've got to stop doing what's making my life hurt so much, right? That, that's, what, that's what I tend to do because we don't really like to suffer and we do something and it really hurts. We'll say, well, I'm just never going to do that again. But Jesus suffered greatly, suffered, suffered on the cross, suffered for our sins, and you got to understand it was all 100% voluntary. It wasn't forced on him like everyone else who endures torture. His suffering was something he just accepted voluntarily. Matthew 26 says this, as Jesus is being carried away, his disciples want to rescue him, and he says, do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must be so? So Jesus was saying, you know, I'm going through this. I'm letting them arrest me. I'm letting them beat me up. I'm letting them make me carry this cross. I'm letting them nail me to the cross. And people say, as, as they were passing by, it says, people said, well, if you're the son of God, come down and save yourself. And Jesus said, well, I am the son of God, but I'm going to resist. I'm, I'm going to resist that. But then... That, that temptation. And you see in Matthew 16, an interesting exchange. Jesus, Jesus is anticipating his arrest. He's anticipating his torture. He's anticipating his crucifixion. He's telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen. In a couple weeks, we're going into Jerusalem. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to die on the cross. And Peter says, no way. This is not how this is going to happen. We're going to stop this. We're going to stand up for you. We're going, to, we're going to gather an army and we're going to defend you and protect you and we're going to go in there and have the victory. Peter's like, no, think positively about this. And you know what Jesus says to him? Jesus turned to him and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus recognized that even Peter's trying to talk him out of 
going through with the crucifixion, going through with his passion, was another way that Satan was trying to derail his mission, which was to suffer and to die for us, to break the power of sin. Because the Bible says it was through the cross that ultimately Jesus defeated sin and defeated the, the devil. And uh, so for the Christian, you know, we have our ups and downs. And, you know, maybe today will be a good day. I hope today is a good day and you resist uh, temptation. But tomorrow might be a bad day and you fall into temptation. And if you're just looking at your life and your own track record, you might be prone to get kind of discouraged about, about these things and even wonder if you can stand based on your track record. But we don't look at our own life. We look at the victory of Christ. He's the one who resisted temptation perfectly. And it's his resistance of temptation, his refusal to succumb to temptation, that is our ultimate hope. And that's the thing that that's the foundation that we rest on and that we trust on. And the thing that makes this clear to me is the fact that the greatest Christian who ever lived was Paul the Apostle, right? A, a lot of people think that. Uh, you know, at least he's in the running. He wrote about a third of the New Testament, you know, planted churches all around the Roman Empire and everything. But, you know, one of the things, and, and he wrote the Book of Romans, which is a, a pretty good book. You should read it. But, uh, you know, in the Book of Romans, Paul talk, talks about his own, his own life, and he, says, he talks about his own struggle with temptation. I mean, here's Paul the Apostle, and he says, you know, I want to do good, but evil is right there with me. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I saw, see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I want to do good, but evil is right there with me. So Paul the Apostle talks about his own struggle with temptation. He talks about how even, even as he sets a high standard for himself and wants to do better and is, is busy in the Lord's work, he's still struggling with temptation. And he doesn't tell us what that is, which is kind of helpful because that means whatever you're struggling with is the same as what he was struggling with. So we have these struggles and struggle is a part of the Christian life. The only way out of the struggle of temptation is to either give in to it or just to harden, harden your hearts against it. So Paul comes to this point of despair, and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And what hope could there possibly be in the midst of that despair? Well, there's hope in the very next line for Paul. In, in Romans chapter 8, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For God has done for me what the law could not do when he sent his Son. So Paul says, my hope in life is not that I'll be perfect and no longer struggle with temptation. In fact, as long as I'm alive, there will be temptations that I will fall into. But the hope that I have, the sure hope I have, the confident and firm hope that I have is the hope that comes from knowing 
that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he resisted temptation. He broke the back of the devil. And for those who belong to him and those who live in dependence on, in him and who trust in them, he is our victory. He is our righteousness. And he's the one on whom we depend. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask, I, I just lift up everyone who's here today and we think of the struggles we have, the way we're, we're fighting with temptation every day and the way our own efforts to do better are frustrated by our own broken, broken hearts and broken minds and by, the, by our own proneness to wander and by the power of the devil. And so we pray for your grace that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one through Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray. Amen.